Beautiful morning, beautiful morning. I feel like it's starting to almost feel like fall now. It's funny, Ebony came home last night and she's like, it was cool outside and it felt like fall. And I'm like, man, fall is, can't come quick enough. I'm ready to like wear pants again on Sundays and throughout the week. Um, again, guys, welcome. Just to bring you up to speed, uh, we are in the middle of two. Actually, not in the middle of two anymore. We are finishing up a series today, but we are in the middle of kind of two series. Where we started a series going through the Gospel of John called Jesus Is, and we really, um, we really wanted to take a look for an extended period of time of, of just the depths of who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. We're going to pick back up on that in a couple weeks, but today we're actually going to finish uh, a series off that we started five or six weeks ago um, that we really felt like God was leading us in uh, about following Jesus with finance. There were so many people in the church that kind of came forward, had questions about savings and budgeting and tithing and giving and generosity, all this stuff. And we thought, okay, you know what? Let's pause, John. We really feel like this is something that God's stirring in us um, and be faithful um, and obedient to how he is leading us as a community. So to to this morning, we're actually going to be wrapping up, which is really exciting. Um, Just for your calendar, next week, uh, Andy Rogers, he leads Restored Uptown, the very first Restored Church. He's going to be with us next week to preach. Um, I'm excited. Those of you guys that know Andy, he is a fun, amazing, spirit-filled dude. I cannot encourage you enough to join us next week. I'll be here. Herrick will be here. It's not like... You know, one of us is gone, so Andy's coming to know he really is a gift to the church, um, and we want to be able to receive from God through him. He really is part of our family, so he'll be with us next week, and the following week, we're going to jump back into the series in John, Jesus Is, okay? Uh, really quick, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 this morning. Matthew chapter 6. While you're flipping there, uh, I'm going to tell you about a very special skill that I have. Okay, um, I have the ability to predict when stoplights change. Okay, I think some of you in the room might have the same power, if you, know, if you catch my drift, but I have this special skill that when I'm in an intersection, um, usually I'll, I'll exploit it with my children in, in the car to kind of impress them and help them see that daddy really is like this incredible, all-knowing dad. Um, so what I'll do is I'll pull up to the stoplight and I'll go, okay, girls, daddy's going to predict when the red light is going to turn green. Uh, And it's funny because I do it right every single time, and they are blown away. They're like, how does he know when the light is going to turn green? Um, Most of you guys know where I'm going with this. Like, it's because I'm aware of something that they're not. I can look, I'm in the intersection, and I can look and see the other stoplights for the other directions of traffic. (laughs) You learn something new every day, man. And yeah, it's like the magician is revealing his secrets, you know? Uh, so I'm looking at the intersection, you know, and you guys, I'm sure you did this too. But it's funny because, you know, when the other stoplights are green, mine's red. And when mine's green, theirs is red, right? Because they're linked together. The stoplights and intersection are, are linked together, okay? In today's passage that we're going to go through in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is going to help us see that what we do in this life is actually linked with heaven. They're linked together. That what we do with our finances specifically has an impact on eternity. The temporary has an impact on eternity. Just like the stoplights, what happens on one side of the intersection, it impacts the other side. So hopefully you're in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to pray for us before we jump in. 
Will you join me? Oh, Father, thank you for your grace that covers us. Thank you that you're with us now. Um, I really am excited this morning, excited to be able to enjoy you with people that are just precious and amazing. I want to honor them. I want to honor you. So would you fill me, Holy Spirit? Um, I don't want to do anything or say anything that gets in the way of what you want to accomplish. Uh, the church belongs to you, Jesus. She's your girl. Um, and I really want to honor you and honor them. So would you encourage us this morning, Spirit? Would you help us to actually be present in this moment? Like to actually be and not just be thinking about stuff we need to do. I love you, God. Encourage us in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so like I said, we're going to finish off this series today, and we're going to finish it off. We're going to go through the same passage that we actually started in in week one, okay? So Matthew chapter six, I'm going to read verses 19 through 24. I'm in the ESV translation. If that's the translation you don't have, that's okay. We're going to put the words on the screen for you. That way it's easier for you to follow along. Um, If you're anything like me, it can be like distracting and confusing if everyone's reading out of a different translation. So the words are on the screen for you there. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. This is the words of Jesus. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Okay, so we're going to wrap things up this morning with three things. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. There's like a note thing in the Restored app, or if you have a pen, that's fine too. These three things. The first is this, the reality of heaven. The reality of heaven. The danger of darkness. And the true master. Okay, the reality of heaven, the danger of darkness, and the true master. All right, let's jump in. Uh, In verse 19, where it says lay up, other translations, uh, they translate it store up, but where it says lay up, what it literally means in the original language was to store away for future use. So it's this idea of putting something away for use in the future, okay? And when it says treasure there, people have kind of said, well, they're not talking about money. No, it's very clear. Like when it says treasure, it's referring to accumulated wealth in the form of money and other valuables, Okay? Here's what's interesting, okay? Jesus isn't against us storing up treasure for ourselves. He's not. In fact, in the following verse there, I think it's verse 20, he actually commands, listen to this, he commands that we store up treasure for ourselves. So what what he's saying is he's saying, stop storing up treasure in the wrong place, okay? I want you to do something for me really quickly. Imagine if like banks weren't a thing. Okay, banks weren't a thing, and you got to store your money somewhere, right? So you have your cash, 
You got to store your money somewhere. If there's no banks, you don't have a card, right? So you have your stockpile of cash, whatever you're saving, right? And you're going to store it in your house, okay? So picture to yourself your home, the home that you live in. You got to put your money somewhere. You got to store it somewhere, okay? Think of all the different places that you could put it. You could store it in the closet. You could store it in the bathroom, in the bedroom, in the living room, and under your mattress. I mean, think of all the different places you could store your money, Okay? And then imagine you're like, okay, you're walking around your house, you're trying to find something, and you're like, you have this bright idea, you know, like, I should get a safe. Safe would be fantastic, right? But then you're thinking again, you're like, you know what? I already have something that resembles a safe. Like, it's a metal box, and it seems pretty secure. It's in my kitchen, okay? And you literally, you're like, my oven is the perfect place to store my money, my question is, like, would you put your money in the oven? The vast majority of us would be like, no, that's really stupid. Like, it could easily just burn up, right? Now, here's my next question. Imagine if you had access to a vault, okay? You didn't have, it didn't have to be in your home, but you had access to this vault, and, and like, the thing was, like, bulletproof, okay? No one's getting in without the combo. Only you have the combo. This thing is so secure. It's, it's, it's amazing. Would you choose the vault or would you choose the oven, and this is a stupid analogy. It's the first one I could think of. So that's why I'm using it. But like, would you use the vault or would you use the oven? Yeah, absolutely. Like you use the, you'd use the vault, right? Jesus is saying, don't put your treasure in the oven, okay? He's saying, because it's going to burn up. Don't store up treasures on earth. It's temporary. It's going to burn. Put your money, put your treasure, store it up in the vault where it won't. Okay, he's saying stop storing up treasures on earth. Why? Because the earth as we know it is temporary. It's not going to last. It's like storing your cash in the oven in your home. It's silly. Okay, instead, Jesus commands we store up treasure for ourselves in heaven where it will last forever. Okay? Um, I did a bunch of reading for this series, and one of the books that I read that I felt really helpful was this, this, guy, wrote, this guy, Randy Alcorn, who wrote a book called The Treasure Principle. It's really, really helpful. It's, I want to read something from you, or read something to you from it. He has this concept called the treasure principle, and the way he kind of describes it in like his one-liner thing is, regarding money, he says, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Okay, let me read this to you. Quote, anything we try to hang on to here will be lost, but anything we put into God's hands will be ours for eternity. If that doesn't take your breath away, you don't understand it. If we invest in the eternal instead of the temporal, we store up treasures in heaven that will never stop paying dividends. Whatever treasures we store up on earth will be left behind when we leave. Whatever treasures we store up in heaven will be waiting for us when we arrive. Now let me just be clear for a second, okay? What Jesus and Mr. Randy Alcorn are not saying is that what you do with your treasure on earth earns you salvation. That's not true, okay? Trusting in who Jesus is and what he has done for you is the only thing that can save us from the penalty of our sin. What you do with your money, what you do with your time, you can't earn God's blessings, you can't earn his favor, you can't earn salvation, okay? What these guys, what Jesus and Randy Alcon are talking about here, this idea of storing up treasures in heaven, it's not going to earn your salvation. It's just simply a biblical principle. Okay? Eternal investments are better than temporary investments. Make sense? Okay. So don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Send them ahead 
to heaven. Let's talk about heaven. I think heaven is hugely misunderstood, um, especially even in the church. What is heaven? Heaven is not where like dead people are floating on clouds um, with like togas and a harp and like that, that's not what's happening. They don't, wings, like that's just that this kind of precious moments figurine thing. That's not what heaven is all about. Okay, heaven at its most basic understanding is the dwelling place of God. All throughout the Bible, you see this contrast, okay? Not necessarily between heaven and hell, but between heaven and earth. You see this contrast, okay? Heaven and earth. Think of heaven, guys, as like God's space, okay? And think of earth as our space. God's space, heaven, our space, earth, okay? And God's space, heaven, right? It's full of his presence. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy, okay? In, his, in, in heaven, they're full of goodness and justice and beauty. Our space, earth, on the other hand, is full of sin and selfishness, brokenness, injustice, bitterness, hatred. I mean, if you look at the news right now, I'm not going to get into politics, but you just hear hate, hateful statement after hateful statement, firing back at people, like they just fired at each other. This huge division of like humanity. It's ridiculous. That's what earth's like. <clears throat> okay, our space versus God's space. And the Bible, listen to me say this, the Bible is all about the union of heaven and earth. The union of these two spaces. Okay? I mean, think back, if you guys are familiar with the Bible, right? It starts in the Garden of Eden, right? You have Adam and Eve. Everything's the way it's supposed to be. Everything is like perfect. You have heaven, where God dwells. You have earth where man and women dwell and they're united. They're completely united. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's paradise. God's dwelling space and man's dwelling space are together. And then what happens? You guys know the story. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, they disobey God, right? They sin and heaven and earth are then driven apart. Okay, they're separated. It's like, it's like two, uh, was it, two negative ends on a magnet? They're separated. They're, they're divided, okay? So you have God's space, his dwelling space, and man's space, and they're not together anymore. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And then, in the most important event in the history of the world, God leaves heaven. He comes to earth. He puts on flesh in the person of Jesus, right? <clears throat> and you have the kingdom of heaven, track with me, invading earth. God's dwelling space, invading man's dwelling space that's, that's been divided, okay? You have these two spaces not fully united, but now they're kind of overlapping. You following me? Give me an amen if you are. My, you guys should know this. My preaching is dependent on your interaction, so if I do a bad job, it's your fault. <laughs> so yeah, so you have these two spaces, right? And they're overlapping, Jesus, God put on flesh in the person of Jesus. He came to usher in the kingdom of heaven. It's like an act of war. Okay, he came to usher in the kingdom of heaven. And he told his followers this. You guys, this will sound familiar. He told his followers to pray, what? Let your God, let, God, let God's kingdom come. Let God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You've seen this picture. 
And then Jesus' life, it climaxes, right, at the cross, where he takes on the punishment for the sins of the earth, and he fully absorbs them into himself. He's the lamb that was slain in our place, the innocent one, the holy one punished for me, for you, for anybody who trusts in who Jesus is and what he's done. Okay? And what makes Jesus' sacrifice so amazing is that it has the power to reunite heaven and earth. God's dwelling place and man's dwelling place. To restore things to the way they were in the beginning, the way things are supposed to be, guys. And ultimately, you have the Bible ending, right, in the book of Revelation. The Bible ends with heaven and earth being fully united together once again. This beautiful picture of restoration. Things the way they're supposed to be. I'm going to read something to you. The Apostle John, he writes about this in the famous passage. You've probably heard this before. Revelation 21, he writes about this, this reality of heaven and earth being united once again. God's dwelling place, man's dwelling place, together again. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read this. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place, listen to this, this is sound familiar. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. I love verse four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Oh, my heart longs for heaven, man. Things are not the way they're supposed to be. It drives me crazy. And I'm a contributor to that. So ultimately, right, like heaven will be an eternal reality where God and man dwell together. When I say man, I'm including you ladies. I mean humankind, okay? <clears throat> where humans and, and God will dwell together, where there's no sin, no death, no pain, no suffering. Things are the way they're supposed to be. Oh. Let me read you another quote. Randy O'Corn says this. Many Christians think treasures in heaven won't be tangible because they imagine heaven won't be tangible. But the future heaven on the new earth will not be an intangible state where we float about as disembodied spirits. On the contrary, it will be a real material place. On God's new earth, that's heaven, his servants will serve him. Servants always have things to do, places to go, and people to see. We will worship God, I love this, and we will eat, drink, celebrate, laugh, rest, work, and play together as physical people in a physical world. I love this next part. By the way, he says, I capitalize heaven because it's a proper noun, a place every bit as real as the town you live in. The new earth will be as real as New England, so it deserves capitalization too. I have to ask you a question really quick. How much does heaven occupy your thoughts? The reality of eternity. The scriptures talk about how this life is here today, gone tomorrow, man. Like a mist. 
how often is, is the beautiful, amazing reality of all things being restored and redeemed in a physical, material way, in physical, material reality, how often does that like occupy your thoughts and your daydreams? Guys, heaven is everything that you have ever wanted at a deep soul level, man. Fullness of joy, fullness of joy. Like not 90%, fullness of joy in the presence, the manifest presence of God, your creator who knows everything about you and loves you. Okay, everything, the way it's supposed to be, complete unity with God and with each other. Forever. It doesn't stop. So then, what are these treasures in heaven? What are treasures in heaven? Um, I studied this a lot, and the truth is we don't entirely know. Um, we don't entirely know, but here's what is clear. Here's what's absolutely clear. These treasures in heaven, they are real, they're meaningful, and they're rewards. They're real, they're meaningful, and they're rewards. There will be treasures in heaven for those who obey God by being generous and obedient when it comes to the area of finances. And those treasures, they never fade away. So we don't, we, I, I, here's my honest, my honest um, opinion on the matter after studying it quite a bit. I believe that the treasures in heaven are absolutely spiritual and absolutely material. <clears throat> Both. Not just like, okay, cool, you'll have, a, you'll have a good feeling for eternity. No, no, no. There's the reality of the material, physical reality of eternity in heaven with Jesus. I think it's both, okay? Now, here's one of the things, too, that I think uh, would come up and ought to come up primarily for a gospel-centered people is, like, it might sound selfish, you know, like this idea of storing up treasure for yourself. Like, eh, is that selfish? That kind of makes me feel weird. Like, we already talked about it. You're not earning salvation, okay? But it still kind of sounds like it's for me, like that, uh, is the Christian supposed to do things for themselves? Self-motivation wants to deal with this, right? One more quote for you. Quote, store up for yourselves. Doesn't it seem strange that Jesus would command us to do what's in our own best interests? Wouldn't that be selfish? No. God expects and commands us to act out of enlightened self-interest. He wants us to live to his glory, but what is to his glory is always to our good. Listen to this part. This is important. Selfish people pursue gain at others' expense, but God's riches are infinite. When you serve him and others, you store up treasures in heaven. This doesn't reduce the treasures available to others. Everyone gains, no one loses, okay? So listen, when you and I, when we obey Jesus by being generous with our finances, two things happen, right? The first is it blesses someone, okay? It blesses someone. I shared the story of how one of the gospel communities bought us a new bed. It was amazing. I've gotten really good sleep. It's amazing. Okay, they were generous. They saw a need they wanted to meet. They were very generous and very kind and very loving in the way that they gave that to us, okay? When, when that happens, two things happen, right? It blesses someone. In this case, me and my wife, Colton and Pokey too. Yeah, man. <clears throat> 
Like, it ble- they got a bed too. They don't sleep in the same bed as us. <laughs> Sorry. Need to be clear with that one? It's not that kind of a community. I love those moments. Okay. <laughs> Come back to me. Come back to me. Uh, two things happen. It blesses someone, right? Someone is blessed. A second thing happens. It stores up treasure for the giver in heaven. Are you seeing this? So everybody wins. Selfishness is at someone else's expense. Make sense? No. You, the beautiful thing about God's economy is that everybody wins. Even when, even when people in our community are sacrificially giving so that I can have a new bed, like they're letting go of something, it's beautiful. It blesses me, but it also sends it ahead to heaven. It's a beautiful biblical principle about how God's economy works and that it, it's, it's a win-win. Okay? You need to know that. Okay. Uh, second point. The danger of darkness. Um, in verse 22, Jesus talks about the eye being the lamp of the body. Okay? For the sake of time, I'm going to summarize what he's talking about. Okay? <clears throat> what Jesus is saying is no matter how much light there is, if your eyes aren't working properly, you're going to be in the darkness. Okay? So if my eyes aren't working properly and this room is filled with light, what am I going to see? Darkness. That's Jesus' point, okay? And he intentionally says that when talking about money. Friends, what Jesus is saying here is that money has the power to affect the way that we see things. We've talked a lot about the power of money in this series, but Jesus is saying that money has the power to affect the way we see things, and specifically that greed and like materialism it darkens your eye spiritually. So what does that mean? Very simply, it means that greed and materialism has the power to blind you to greed and materialism. I'm going to say that again. Greed and materialism has the power to blind you to greed and materialism when you are greedy and when you are acting in a materialistic way. In other words, you won't know when you're greedy. You will not know because you can't see it. It blinds you to it. Am I making sense? Okay, great. Here's the thing. That makes greed super dangerous. Really, really dangerous because we're blind to it, okay? You need to know. I felt super convicted about this this week. You need to know greed is not like other sins, because you don't know you're doing it. Like, <laughs> you know if you're murdering someone. You know if you're committing adultery. You know if you're lying. You know if you're looking at porn. You know most of the sins, when you're committing them, you know you're doing them. But greed's dangerous because it's different, man. Jesus says that greed darkens the eye and we're blind to it. So, if you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, Tom's talking about greed, but like, I don't really think I have a problem with greed. That's a very bad sign. (laughs) That's a very bad sign. Because one of the symptoms of greed is being blind to greed. One of the symptoms of greed is thinking, I don't really have a problem with greed. You see this. That's why it's so dangerous. My friend, is that you? 
I don't ask you that to make you feel condemned in any way. I ask you that so that you can, understand, you can become aware of it, confess it, and be free from it. Let Jesus' blood cover it. Receive forgiveness and be empowered to live a generous life, not just with your money, but with everything. So Jesus, right, after commanding us to store up treasures not on earth but in heaven, he commands us to store up treasures in heaven, he makes a point to warn us about greed and materialism because they're incredibly dangerous and we don't see it when it's there. All right, I'm going to call the band up. I'm going to close with my last point. The true master. The true master. Okay, look back at verse 24 with me quickly here. In Matthew chapter 6, look back at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, um, those of you guys that have been journeying journeying with us in this series, um, you've heard most of this. If you want to, you can listen back the previous weeks on the podcast and the website and stuff, but... I bring that up because we've covered a bunch in this series, like a lot. We've covered like the reality that we're stewards, that as followers of Jesus, we're stewards with what God graciously gives us. We're not owners of it. We're stewards. We're, we're managing his stuff, right? We've covered the idea of stewardship versus ownership. We've covered budgeting. We've covered giving to the needy inside the church and outside of the church and how important that is. We've also covered the idea of enjoying what God graciously provides for us. So here's how we're going to close this series, okay? We're going to close this series, or I'm going to close this series with a question to you that I had to ask myself. Each week I'm prepping these messages. Listen to me. I am not the pastor who stands before you going, hey guys, here's how you need to live your life. I got this figured out. Go ahead. I'm the pastor who goes, I, I want to follow Jesus in every single area of my life. And I want to repent when I don't. Okay, so I'm in this journey with you of following Jesus, his lordship in every area of my life. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Okay, but I have to ask you this question to end this series. Are you going to follow Jesus with your finances? Will he be the Lord of your wallet? Or will you be? And Jesus is super clear in this passage, guys. There's no in between. Either either Jesus is master or money is. And here's the thing if you aren't storing up treasures in heaven, if, if you aren't following Jesus with your finances, if you aren't obeying him, if you aren't doing what he says, then you've already made up your choice. So maybe the better question to ask is not have you followed Jesus with your finances, but will you be following Jesus with your finances the rest of the day and tomorrow and the next day? Because the best thing about Jesus is his grace, man. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. It's forgiveness that empowers us to walk in who God's created us to be. Remember we talked about heaven and earth, the way things are and the worst of the way they're supposed to be. Like, Jesus cares. He cares so much that he gave his blood. I want to read you one more verse of scripture 
um, Galatians 2.20. This is like, oh, this is, um, this verse means a lot to me. Galatians 2.20. This is Apostle Paul. Okay, like best church planner of all time. He's amazing. Gnarly past. Spent the first half of his life completely disobeying Jesus. Pursuing the murder of Christians just because they followed Jesus. And the dude wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament because God radically intervened in his life. So if you're like me, you reject God, you disobey him, even in the area of finances, like God's grace can transform us each day. Okay, Paul's story is proof. I want to read you Galatians 2.20. This is Paul, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, trust, faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul explains what motivated him to follow Jesus. He explains why he submits to Jesus as master. He says he lives differently now. And he says it's because Jesus Christ loved me and gave himself for me. He saw the love of God for him. Friends, the only love, or I'm sorry, you only love and give yourself to things that you treasure. Think about it. You only love and give yourself to things that you treasure. And Paul, empowered by the Holy Spirit, saw the beauty of the gospel the good news that despite even his gnarly sin, despite him rejecting God as master, that even in the midst of all that, Jesus treasured him. Do you see this? Jesus loved Paul and he gave himself for Paul. Guys, the same is true for you. Jesus loves you and he gave himself for you. Jesus loves Timothy and he gave himself for Timothy. And Jesus loves Aaron and he gave himself for Aaron. Jesus loved Dorian and he gave himself for Dorian. And he loves Nancy and he gave himself for Nancy. And I could spend all day going throughout the room and naming all of you Jesus loves you and he gave himself for you. Guys, do you see that like the cross, it literally declares that God, God treasures you. Ah! And if you see that God treasures you, you will gladly and joyfully obey him just like Paul. Like delightfully obey him. Even when it comes to money the most taboo thing in Western culture. Don't ask me what I make. Don't ask me what I give. Don't ask me what I do with it. Money has a grip. Money has a grip on our valley, straight up. If you're a visitor with us, uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm gonna be candid. Money has a grip on this place. Materialism and greed, big time. The cool thing is, is that because of the blood of Jesus, we don't have to bow down to that master. We don't. So hear me say this, friends. Jesus treasures you, and the cross is proof of that. 
So here's what we're going to do. Um, like I said before, this is a very, very, very special morning for us as a church. This is the first year we're going to participate in Give Love. Okay? Um, and just to kind of give you some background really quickly. Each year, our family of churches come together and we collect a special offering and we give it all away. This is not like an offering where like, guys, give to this awesome thing and we're going to use it to kind of fluff our bank account and, um, and then we'll give like a percentage, we'll tithe it. We'll give 10% away. We're taking this offering. It's a special offering. We're giving it all away, okay? Our, our family of churches, Restored Uptown in Uptown San Diego, Restored Chula Vista at South Bay, um, Restored LA and Restored Temeca. We're coming together to collect this offering. And this is a special offering because it's above and beyond like our regular tithes, right? It's above and beyond what we regularly give back to God each month. Okay? And what we do with this, we, we always have a specific kind of like, um, like kingdom initiative that we really have prayed through that we feel like God has placed on our heart that we can back as a family of churches. <clears throat> and we give it all away. I told you earlier, we have, throw up another picture of Kyle and Kyle up there for you, if you would, guys. So this is Kyle and Kyle. We're going to raise as much money for them as we possibly can. Um, they're going to a very dangerous place. Um, we are convinced as a family of churches, the other men that lead those other churches, we're convinced that this is something that God is doing. Um, I was with them in, oh, I almost said it. I was with them in Northern Africa um, earlier this year, and I am... Pastoral ministry is hard because there's, there's this weird um, juxtaposition of emotions. You're calling people into the most satisfying, amazing, beautiful adventure and relationship there is, okay? So no regrets of come follow Jesus. He's the most amazing, beautiful, incredible thing ever. But at the same exact time, when my faith is, is small, I know what's in front of them. I know the difficulty that lies ahead. I know potentially even the persecution that lies ahead. I know the reality of following Jesus, okay? It didn't end well for the vast majority of people in the first century. But hear me say this, it's so worth it. Why? Because we don't store up treasures on earth. We store up treasures in heaven where, where no one can take it away from us. This courageous couple, they're walking into like the lion's den, okay? 10 to 12 million people, 500 known Christians. We didn't know of any healthy churches. That's what they're walking into. And we believe that God has given them the assignment. And you know what that means? That means he's with them. And do you know what qualified any and every leader or influencer that we see in the scriptures? One thing and one alone. It wasn't their talent. It wasn't their ability. It wasn't even their knowledge. It was the reality that God was with them. This is a really special time for us guys because God has placed an opportunity in front of us, an opportunity to make an eternal investment in God's kingdom, to see disciples of Jesus made. Their eternity is secured, okay? And hear me say this, not only is it an opportunity to invest in eternal things, but it's an opportunity for you and I to store up treasures in heaven. It's a win-win, man. That might sound like the, this is the, the church guy who just wants your money. Like, 
oh, as God is my witness, I want for you to store up treasures in heaven and I want the effects of that to be other people experiencing the generosity of God. Um, I do need to say this though. This is not the only opportunity, okay? But this is what we do as Restored Church. So if you're visiting, I want you to feel absolutely no pressure. But you do need to know, like, this is who we are as a community, okay? And for the record, we're not even financially self-sustaining yet. These churches that we're we're partnering with to raise money, our family of churches, they still support us like half of our budget every month. So this isn't like we're trying to fluff our budget. It's not, okay? I want you to know, too, this isn't the only opportunity, but it's what we do, okay? It's kind of like... how many people open up Christmas presents on Christmas morning? How many of you guys open up Christmas presents on Christmas Eve? Yes. So it's interesting. My family, we always open up Christmas presents on Christmas morning. And I would have friends who were like, we only open up our Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. Okay? Listen, Christmas morning is not the only opportunity to open presents for Christmas. Okay? But it's what my family did. Okay? Give love, what we're going to do right now. It's not the only opportunity to invest in God's kingdom, okay? It's not the only opportunity to store up treasures in heaven. But listen to me, this is what this family does every year. And this is our first year, and I couldn't be more excited. We want to invite anybody and everyone to participate, not just in the life of our family, but in what our family does. So here's what we're going to do. Um, Different morning. We're going to take three to five minutes and just silently, independently pray. Pray for two things. Pray that God would genuinely bless and touch their efforts and protect them. So we're going to pray that the assignment that he's given them in Northern Africa would flourish, okay? Muslim men and women and boys and girls would come to Jesus, Okay, that the, 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 the oppression of religion and culture, they'd be free from that. Okay, we want to pray for that. And I also want to challenge you to pray and ask God what he would have you to contribute to this effort. Um, how much time we got? Okay, this is going to be tough for some of you. Okay, this is going to be tough for some of you, this idea of like sitting in silence and praying for three to five minutes. I know it's going to be hard but I'm also convinced that for others of you, it's not going to be the silence that's going to be the difficult part. It's going to be the like asking God what he wants you to do part. Because what if he gives you an answer? What if he actually tells you? What if he actually speaks? What if he actually gives direction? So for all of us, I want to invite you. There's an opportunity, okay? I want to invite you to participate. I want to invite you to trust Jesus this morning, whatever he tells you, okay? I want to invite you to to participate in an opportunity to follow Jesus with your finances. So we're going to take three to five minutes, silently pray, and then as a church family, we're going to give together. We're going to give back to God. We're going to invest in eternity together. We're going to worship God by actually giving. A couple practical things. Um... Some of you guys have already, like, given, I noticed, um, to the, the online. That's awesome. Spend time when we're praying. Like I said, praying that God would bless their efforts, okay? Um, practical housekeeping things. There's ways that you can give. We'll pass the baskets, like, the traditional way in about five minutes, okay? Um, 
There's also the app you can give online via the app. You can give online via the website, which is just restoredtemecula.com. Um, when we pass the baskets, if you could just do us a huge um, favor here, um, whether it's the baskets or whether it's online, make sure you select the Give Love Fund. Okay, that's really important. So if you're online, select the Give Love Fund. If the baskets are passing, if you're writing a check, um, we're just going to give all the cash away. But if you're writing a check, if you could just indicate whether that's your tithe, like which one's your tithe and with, which one is your, um, is your contribution to give love, that would be a huge help. Okay? Um, let me make sure if there's anything else I need to talk about. Okay. I'm going to pray for us really quickly. I'm going I'm to invite you three to five minutes, just asking God to bless their efforts and asking how he would have you to contribute, okay? So Holy Spirit, we look to you now. Um, You are a missional God. You pursue us at great cost to yourself. And we don't want to be men and women who are like obligated, feel this sense of like, okay, I'm sitting in church. I have to give to this because I don't want to be the person in the room who doesn't. I pray that no one would give out of reluctance. I pray that this would be a pleasing offering to you, Lord, where no matter what we give, if it's a dollar or it's a million, that literally it would be done with a joyful heart, with gratitude, knowing that that all this stuff belongs to you anyway. And also knowing the reality that you, you command us to store up treasures in heaven. That means you're seeking after our joy. And God, thank you that you treasure us. Thank you that you treasure us even when we're pretty ugly. Your love is different than our love. So I pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak to all of us now? And I pray that this entire room would worship you. All of us, every heart, every mind. We would ascribe most worth to you. And the the result of that wouldn't be obligation. It wouldn't be... We wouldn't miss out on the joy. I pray for joy deep down inside all of us. Would you speak to us, God? We love you. Amen.